Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And uh, this is actually a special episode. I'm here at the Master Seminary uh, with a dear friend, uh, Tim Stevens. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Thanks for having me, Nathaniel. Yeah, Tim, so for a lot of our listeners, this might be their first time hearing you. Um, So why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you're ministering, uh, what the Lord's doing in your life, uh, that kind of thing, and then we'll jump into our topic for today. Yeah, I've been pastoring Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, Alberta, Canada for the last 10 years. And our church, in some respects, became famous over COVID-19 when videos were released of police coming to the doors of our church and arresting me twice. And so I served three weeks in jail in Canada um, because we kept our doors open. So that, that has brought attention to our church, and, and it also has been used of the Lord to bring countless blessings uh, to get the gospel out, to get people, you know, strengthened in the faith, sanctified. So it was a, it was a difficult and a challenging time, uh, but but a time that God really used uh, in such positive ways. Oh, amen. I know uh, we're in the program here together at the Doctor Doctor of Ministry and Expository Preaching, and uh, it's been a joy to get to know you over the last year or so, and uh, got to. See you in Canada as we move from Alaska to Oklahoma, and so that was really fun to meet you and your family. But um, Tim, the reason I want to have you on is because in in the short amount of time I've known you, I, I've really come to know that you um, not only you're an excellent preacher, but um, you become a good friend, and and you're in my estimation a, a godly man and and a man who wants to see men uh, become what God wants them to be. Uh, in the church, in their families, and I think in Western culture, um, you know, for a lot of guys listening, they'll they'll instantly hear Canada and think, okay, yeah, Canada's, you know, a whole ball of messed up, um, for lack of better words. And we're not far behind, you know. I think we're we're right there. Um, but in the Western world, uh, what we see today as men is not quite the same as if you would have went back. 50, even 50 years ago, uh, go back 100 years ago, um, and, and just the, the ideas of what men were supposed to be like um, were very different than now. And of course, from the Christian perspective, there's an expectation that God has of men. Um, and so we just want to talk about that today. And so let's just kind of kind of jump into that. And, and on the offset, let, let me ask, what is your view, maybe your judgment on the condition of men in the Western world today in terms of um, where they should be and, and where we are in reality? Well, if I was grading you know, men today, by and large, it would not be a positive, a positive grade. And I think it's, it's not just within the church. I think it's culturally, there's a number of even conservative popular conservative commentators today recognizing that that manhood is in serious trouble. And we have a lot of boys uh, who, who think they have an idea of what it means to be a man, but it's really it's really not biblical, it's not healthy. Uh, so, so certainly the state of, of men 
in the church and in Western culture today is um, hugely, hugely problematic, you know. And I think what's important for us is, as pastors, you know, obviously we have to teach about manhood biblically, but then model that, uh, model that especially for, you know, if, if God has given us our own children, our sons and daughters, they need to know what it means to be a man. Um, we need to model that in our congregations, in our relationships around. So it, it's, it's such a, such an important issue. And of course, because of the influence of feminism, there's been a, a reaction and there's there's a need that's recognized. But then often the, the solutions are are not thoroughly biblical. You know, we talk about authority and such. But I think what really men need to understand is the responsibility that's involved in being men and bearing up under the weight of that responsibility. And what does it mean for me as a husband, as a father, as a man? You know, what responsibilities has God entrusted to me? And then how do I carry that out in a faithful um, in a faithful way? Yeah, and I, I think you hit on something there that's really vital. If we're you know, there, there's been a response to the feminism in Western culture, and I think in some ways that's good because we recognize that it's a problem. Um, it, 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 we did, we've done a few podcasts on that, but we broke down the, the problems with feminism podcasts ago, um, and, and so it's good that there's a recognition of that. But I, I think you rightfully um, mentioned uh, that there's been sort of. You know, the pendulum often swings from one side to to the other, right? There's kind of an overcorrection. So there's a movement of maybe even just in the secular world, kind of this abrasive, heavy-handed, almost abusive um, kind of idea of what a man uh, is supposed to be like. You see this in some of the popular UFC fighters. I can't remember the names currently. But, you know, you, you see them on TV talking about what it is to be a man and taking back the culture and, and that kind of thing. But um, really, manhood, um, to, to be a real man, has to be rooted and grounded in God's plan and purpose for a man. So it's, it's, it's spiritually connected. Uh, if, if a man's listening to the podcast and, and they ask the question, what do I need to do to be a real man? Well, we, we would go to the scriptures and help them understand what, what God's design for a man is. And that's where really where we need to go. So let, let me just maybe ask this. Let's say there's a young guy in your church and he's grown up kind of in the, the current culture. He's confused about what is a man, what isn't. He doesn't want to be effeminate. Um, he recognizes there's an issue there. Uh, but, uh, you know, he doesn't want to swing to the other side either and, and be kind of heavy handed abusive. Where, where would you start him um, just in, in that conversation? He, he doesn't know a whole lot. He's confused. Where, where do you even begin to, to help him understand what it means to be a godly man? Yeah, as you mentioned, the challenges is trying to navigate all the influences in our culture today. And, and some of those influences you know, are, are decent, but maybe they just take it to a level that's, or, or misses, misses a point. You know, for instance, if, if our young men hear that manliness, you know, is kind of that, that brawny muscles and, um, you know, it's, it's the length of your beard. It's all those external signs of manhood. Well, there's, there's certain truth to that. You know, men are stronger than women and, um, and to be muscular is a masculine thing. But then, but then what are those muscles for? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that becomes the question. 
and 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 God has entrusted strength in body and in mind, I believe, to men to equip them for leadership and to bear under the weight of the responsibility of leading in the home, the church, and in the world. Um, so if, if a young man wants to know, how do I grow up to manhood and maturity? It's like, it, it's not wrong to pursue some of those outward signs of masculinity, but then know their proper use um, in terms of protection and provision, you know, these things that we see in scripture. Um, if, if, if that young man is, is married in a relationship, you know, has family, then uh, I think that's the paradigm of, of a shepherd, a pastor, even a priest, are helpful illustrations for what a man ought to be in his home. And with that comes the responsibility of, of teaching and shepherding, uh, providing, caring for the, the same thing we've, we're entrusted in pastoral ministry. And so these are all responsibilities uh, that a man has to willingly embrace. And then his, his authority is not an abusive authority, but it's a very pastoral authority entrusted to him, and he's going to bear under the weight of that responsibility. Yeah, I like that. And so there, there's a good balance between, you know, if you look at the life of Christ, you, you often get, see these two sides, right? Guys either want to pick out the, 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 the whip fashioning Jesus, right? He, he, he clearly took a time to make a whip and turned over the tables at the temple and, and, and they'll paint that kind of image, uh, which, which Jesus obviously did that, or you'll get an, other, another group of guys who Jesus meek and mild and gentle, and, you know, he drew a line in the sand and said, uh, who, you know, cast the first stone on you who is without sin, which is very interesting because he was protecting a woman in that instance. Um, but uh, I, I think the, the, there's, a, there's a balance in bringing all that together, right, and, and understanding biblical manhood, uh, spiritual maturity. So you mentioned kind of three spheres, uh, as it were, uh, home, church, and the, the culture or the community. Uh, let's just talk about maybe briefly each one of those and, and just kind of paint a picture for us in, in what that looks like. And ultimately, a man can be physically strong. He, he can have, you know, a great beard. Um, you know, there are lots of beards around here. Um, I think maybe John MacArthur should grow a beard. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's just a, a, a neat mental picture in my head. But um, it, you can have these external things, but if, you're, if your spiritual condition isn't right, then you're really not a man, right? I, I mean, a, a true man in the sense that God created us to be that. So just let's just start in, in, in the home. Um, let, let's assume that a young man may be married. Um, I, I don't know how many men in our culture today necessarily view the strength of a man being attached to leading his home spiritually. Um, but what, what does that look like? What, what would be important for a young man to understand in that scenario? Because we don't really teach that largely today, I think, being the priest in the home, right? Yeah. But that's part of being a, a, a real man, right? Yeah, so if, if a young man married, he has a number of responsibilities and duties, as a husband and as a leader in that household. And so he must, he must recognize that as the leader, what does it mean to, to lead and exercise authority? And I think it's important for men to know that that means that you're, you're going to be the, the first to forgive when there's challenges and difficulties, first to say we need to go to the Word, first to say we need to pray, first to say you know, we, we need to you know, be faithful at church, other areas, you know, um, 
so so that's how he's going to to lead in terms of a, a righteousness you know and not neglect other aspects of you know providing for his wife and um, protecting her things like that so a young man needs to recognize you know those aspects of of leadership it might not be as glorious as he thinks like i'm the i'm the one calling the shots here and you need to do my will um, he's going to be first in these respects, first in terms of leading his wife in righteousness. It, you know, it's interesting they're listening to your language, very counter-cultural, even, even in the church, because I think if you look at statistics, at least for America, you, you would find that even amongst kind of um, maybe more outwardly appearing men, um, it's actually the women who lead. Uh, spiritually in the home. And you, you've you used a lot of language like um, the man who says we need to be praying more, we need to be in the Word. It, it's all the, the husband, the man out front leading spiritually rather than what we typically see in homes, right? Um, is the man just going along with the wife. She's the one who's eager to go to church. She's the one who's eager for the Bible studies. Uh, maybe she's the one who's having to say to the husband, um, you know, could could we pray or could we study? And, and I think that those are those could be really great ways for the wife to encourage a husband who's not leading, maybe. Um, but but the point is that the man should be out front, right? Not forcing the wife to to have to find ways to basically plead and say, "Hey, lead our home." Because I think uh, every woman wants their husband. Every godly woman wants their husband to lead. They don't want to have to yeah. do those things. And God created them to want that um, in, inherently. And we try to put an emphasis in, in our ministry context that, you know, especially when there's children, but even when there's not, that that husband take that spiritual responsibility. And, you know, family worship was once a staple in the Christian home. And uh, I think it was Edwards that talked about how, how the family is like a little church. You know, so... A man needs to take that responsibility for the spiritual well-being of his family. And I think most men recoil at that because that's a great responsibility. Well, God has given you, you know, the body and the mind to to bear under that weight and exercise that responsibility. And I'd also say, you know, we often talk about with, with manhood, you know, this, this hyper-masculinity that's toxic, if we can use that word, um, that's authoritarian, tyrannical. And we respond against that rightly, but I think there's so many men in the church that are not that way, and they tend to, because they don't want to be that, they tend to be soft, passive, and in our emotional age, where women especially can get trapped into this emotional age, the emotions of the wives can then dominate and control the household. And a, and a husband needs to know and needs to say and do the tough things to say, no, my wife's emotions, her fears, her anxieties, her apprehensions are not going to dominate and control this household. I need to lead her. And, and, and that will bring friction and difficulty. And, uh, but but, a, but a, a man needs to use his strength and his character to persevere through that and say, no, I need to do what's right according to Scripture um, and not just abdicate to the emotions of my wife. 
Yeah. So what you're saying is being a real man is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it's so true. I think if it, you know, oftentimes in kind of the very tough persona that we might see in some, um, when you get, when you get down to it, brass tacks, it, you, it really does require a, a toughness, um, to be a real leader in the home, to be a real man. Um, maybe you can bench press 300 pounds, but if, if you can't tell your family, you know, we're, we're going to pray together. Well, then, you know, you're, you've abdicated that responsibility. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that's, that's incredibly good. It, let's go back to, you mentioned family worship, mm-hmm. it, you know, even in, I think that's becoming more of, of a thing in the reform circles, especially guys who reading the Puritans. Um, I, I, I would encourage, uh, even, you know, couples who, who don't have children to do family worship because you're still a family, right? Uh, my wife and I do not yet have children, uh, but we're still a family. Um, and so we still do family worship. Um, and, and maybe it doesn't always look the way I want it to look and, uh, life gets busy sometimes and there are those things, but, um, I, I intentionally, um, uh, talk with my wife about the scriptures. We, we've been, you know, we pray together almost every day since we've been married. I think that's something a lot of men, probably don't do. Um, in fact, I read a recent statistic that uh, was less than 10% of pastors in America pray with their wives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so quite shocking uh, in some ways and then other ways not. Um, but it, just tell me this. So wh- where does a guy start, right? Because I've had this conversation with, with, with guys who were otherwise, you know, um, they, they were, they're going to church, they love the Lord, um, they've just never taken responsibility. They haven't viewed uh, themselves as a priest in the home. And guys will just come and they'll say, look, I, I don't really know how to lead my wife in prayer. You know, where do I start? I don't want to look like a fool. Uh, you know, I, I want to do it well. What, 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 how do I start that, right? Well, what do you tell that guy who's, he, he recognizes he needs to do something, but he just doesn't know how to do it. Well, I think people have ideas in their head of family worship. Like I have to now build my own pulpit and prepare a sermon, and you know, this is, it's going to be hours. And no, it's just, it's not it's not like that at all. Um, the, the best is to see it modeled in a godly family. Um, but the the elements are are quite simple. So, you know, I recommend a hymn book because singing is a God's gift to us, and we're called to sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So, so pick up a, a good hymn book or psalter. Um, Read a chapter of scripture, do it systematically, you take a chapter a day, and then have an opportunity to kind of discuss that together and, and pray. And there's so many helpful resources. Uh, Joel Beakey has the Family Worship Bible Guide that has, I think, two or three reflections on each chapter of the Bible. Right now, as a family, we're reading through the Gospel of Matthew with J.C. Ryle's commentary on Matthew. Oh, yeah. And that way, like, I'm, do- I'm doing no preparation. So I'm just sitting down with my with my kids, with my wife, and and we'll sing a few psalms or hymns. You know, let the kids pick some some of their favorites. I, I use that as an opportunity to introduce new psalms or new hymns to teach teach the family. And then we we read a section of the of the Gospel of Matthew, and then read Ryle's commentary. And his commentary is is good. I I benefit so much from it. Like he's so excited about every single text. It's yeah. like every text, like this is the best text in the Bible. You know, you get to see his excitement of the word and then that's contagious. And then I just ask kids questions, make sure they understand uh, some of the points, but, but really he's, he's guiding us through 
that book of the Bible. And then after that, we, we end in a word of prayer. Sometimes we go around the room, everyone prays. Sometimes I just pray. Um, and so in, in total, that might take 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, and it's something that we can do every day. And once you, once you establish that pattern, then you'll find your kids are like, we can't, we can't go here or we can't go to bed because we haven't done our family worship yet. Yeah. You know? So it, it becomes part of your life. Yeah. And so it just sounds like you, you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I would say for guys who don't have kids, you, you can do this with your wife, you know, read through Valley of Vision together. Read. I mean, there's, you mentioned there's so many resources, pick one, read it together, pray together. Um, you don't necessarily have to be musical, um, you know, I, I can play guitar, so I'll break out the guitar and my wife and I will sing a song together. Um, but you can do that without music. You know, you just sing, sing together. Um, but however you do that, the point is that there has to be an intentionality, right? If you're striving to be, a, like, I like the term God's man, right? In, in your home. Um, and, and so maybe the first place is just to realize that that is the expectation God has, right? For men is that the, the, the husband is actively pursuing thoughts concerning the spiritual well-being of of his family, um, and if that's not happening, that that has to be a starting place. Yeah, you got to you got to pick a time to do it, and then as a man, you have to be humble enough that when you forget and your wife reminds you, that you don't get irritated. You know, especially as someone's getting started, I think it's helpful that he lets the whole family know, and then says, "I need I need help to." to do this. And so I know when we first started doing the practice, I think my, my children, you know, before they go to bed, would, would take the Bible and put it on, on my spot where I had breakfast. That way when I got up, it was there, you know? And so, and you ask your wife, I need, I need help. You know, we, we've, we've missed a few nights this week. And so this coming week, I just need your help and then be humble enough to, to receive help. Yeah. And, and that's a good point because you're, you're leading without being some kind of domineering, everything has to be me all the time. Um, I, and I think that's a good picture of, uh, of, of a good, healthy marriage where, you know what, you are leading, but you forget. And, you know, it's God's blessing in your life that your wife comes and reminds you, hey, aren't, aren't we going to do this tonight? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's good. Let, let's move to the next fear. And we kind of talked a little bit about the need for uh, to be um, – to, to, to understand that God's called every man to be the priest in his home, right? Uh, doesn't mean you have to go to seminary, but get some good books. Go ask your pastor um, how to start that. But let's just move to the church. I mean, this is another huge area. And I, and I don't know, I'd be interested to hear, but I'm guessing it's the same in Canada, um, where if you look at the ministries in the church, you look at the first people to sign up uh, to volunteer in the church. You look at the people who are typically the most eager in the church. It's generally the women, um, and for a, a lot of pastors, you're looking around and you're like, where are all the men? Um, it, it, is that a similar kind of cultural thing in Canada or? Yeah. yeah our church, by God's grace, doesn't fit into that paradigm. But I think that's because of, of many years yeah. of, of leadership. Uh, but, but certainly that is the testimony of the majority of the churches where we are. Yeah. It's, 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 it's run and led by by women. They're, they're the spiritual ones. And, uh, and, and in turn, you know, they have so much influence on calling the next pastor. That's why I think we have so many effeminate men in the pulpits yeah. is because the women of the church are the ones who are calling them. Yeah. 
And, and it's interesting because you find out that each of these fears significantly impact the other. So if you have men who aren't being the priest in their own home, then they're certainly not going to be men who are taking uh, uh, taking leadership in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Or or just serving well in, in the church. Um, so, but let's talk a little bit more about the church. Now, you guys have been faithful and, and God's been gracious uh, in your church for your faithfulness. Um, but as we as we talk about just broadly, that's generally not the the, the case. Um, what 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 should men be thinking about in terms of being men in their church? What what's what's the average congregate's um, role in the church? What should he be thinking about in terms of how do I help lead? How do I help be a man uh, that? Um, is living worthy uh, of, of the calling, as Ephesians would, would put it. Um, what, obviously, we're not calling every man to go to seminary. So what, yes. what, what should he be looking at there? No, and it's, it's good. It's a good, great question. I think men, you know, they think, okay, I, I need to, like you said, lead. I, I need to be in a place of authority. I'm a man. And so what can I teach? Can I preach? Can I, can I be somewhere like that? And I think in, in one sense... What men need to be asking is, is what responsibility can I, or what, what is my responsibility? And, and, and am I taking responsibility? Uh, so so not, not everyone is going to be a leader in the church. And so what does it mean for a, a man who's called to lead his own home, now be part of the church? Well, there's going to be responsibility he has to serve, uh, to, to be faithful in, in giving, uh, to be faithful in practicing hospitality. Um, and so there's there's a number of physical needs, diaconal needs in the church um, that men need to be uh, keen on fulfilling. So just like just like the home, you need to go to the scriptures and say, okay, what does it what does it mean for me to be a faithful churchman? And am I going to bear under the weight of that responsibility, or am I going to treat church like a service for me? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to look for to be a decision maker or some kind of teacher. But I'm not going. I'm not going to bear under and be a servant, uh, and bear under the weight of that responsibility. You used a term that you never hear today, churchman. Mm-hmm. Now that's an interesting term, and I know you use that on purpose. Just mm-hmm. flesh that out a little bit. What, what what does it mean to be a churchman? Why is that something that that men should aspire to? Well, I think in the past it had to do with someone who was who was integrated with the church. You know, he cared for the church and loved for the church, and the church was was part of his life, and he was devoted to serve the church. Um, we're so individualistic today, and we treat the church almost like it's a it's a service, and I'm going to go, and I, I need some I need something from the church, uh, rather than I'm a churchman that I'm going to give to the church. So what is it that I can can give? And so as as a man, it's like oh, what. What talents, abilities, giftings has God given to you that you can come and now contribute? Uh, where, where are weaknesses in the church? And, and typically where you identify weaknesses is where God is calling you to come and <laughs> deal with those weaknesses, you know, bear up under those issues and, and make that church better. Yeah, you know? yeah and that's interesting because, uh, it, you, I mean, you rightly mentioned we're very individualistic in, in the West and being a churchman is really um, viewing the church as something that you haven't just added to your life, but really is part of the primary part of your life, right? 
um, which is perfectly in line with, I mean, just look through all the Pauline epistles when he's talking about spiritual gifts, right? Who, who are they for? Um, and, and so it's, it's the responsibility of, um, of God's man to ask the question, what spiritual gifts do I have? And to recognize that those gifts were meant to be used to serve the body of Christ. And then I think the, the taking leadership in that is being intentional about asking the question, what gifts have God, has God given me? Um, and, and then finding places to exercise those gifts. Like you say, not for my sake, right, but for the sake of the body. Um, and if you don't know what those giftings are, then go to your pastor, right? I mean, that's what he's there for. If you, if you have a, a true shepherds, true elders in the church, they can help navigate through those things and even point people to, hey, you know, here, here are some needs in the church. Here are some things that, you know, need to be done. Um, and it's interesting because you, would you say that if you looked at churches where men have um, uh, taken their right role in the church, it, is there a difference between what those churches look like in terms of health and uh, churches where that's not the case? Is Do you see a significant? For, for sure. You just think about, you know, just take, um, take counseling or pastoral counseling or children's ministries, for example. You know, if, if a man is not being faithful in his home, well, now who's who's going to kind of pick up the slack in his marriage? Where's his wife going to go for spiritual leadership and direction? You know, she's now turning to the the pastors of the church, the elders of the church. And what about the children? How are they going to grow? They're going to rely upon the ministry of the church now, rely upon others, and they're going to have to try to pick up some of that slack. So if, if a man can get his home in order. And uh, it can lead his wife and his children. Well, that that in turn has a benefit, freeing up the pastors of the church to focus on other aspects of that of that ministry. And, and then in turn, if his if his home is in order, well, now he's also freed, and his wife and his children are also freed to be servants in the church. You know, care for others who who need help and support. And so it it has such a ripple effect um, in the life of the church if if men are being faithful as as they're called to be. And I think what we see in the church today is just an example of faithless men. Um, and so it has created such a, a burden on the church to try to, well, how, how do we disciple the kids? How do, how do we how do we help these marriages? It's like, what are the men doing? Yeah. That, that's their job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that that's, that's good. And it, these are the questions we hear pastors asking all the time, right? Um, when we hear illustrations and, and, you know, pastors, other pastors trying to navigate, I know you hear it too. These are the kinds of questions that often come up and you're right. Ultimately you want to be like, well, where, where are all the men? Because a lot of these problems would go away. Yeah. That's our, um, that's our ministry plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we talked a little bit about the home. We've talked a little bit about being a, a, a churchman, being God's man in the church. Um, and, and again, this is just sort of, uh, it, you know, goes up the ladder from from there. We talk about the community. And I know there's a lot of discussion now about how we're supposed to be in the community and, and all of that and without getting into maybe a ton of nuances, because I I'm not a big nuance guy. Um, but uh, let, let's just talk kind of generally uh, about men's role in the society, because I, I think everyone can agree on a few things. One is uh, largely in the West, um, I, I, we have, you know, children and women that rule our society. 
and that is not not God's ordained order, right? It, it, it's totally out of order. But and I think a lot of the the problem is that we don't see men rising up for whatever reason in the culture and sort of abdicating there. And I think that's kind of the theme. We find that in the home, if it's if it's if there's abdication in the home, then there's going to be abdication in the church and certainly abdication in, in, in the society. So when we think about men's roles in the community, um, just in a general sense, um, after they've got the home right, they've got the church right, what, what should they be thinking about in terms of God's expectation for them in, in the world in which they live in? Because they do live in the world, right? We're, we're not supposed to, um, you know, monasticism was not a right response <laughs> To, to scripture. So we live in the world. We're supposed to have an impact on the world. Um, you think of the, uh, the, uh, the church as being a light. You know, it's not meant to be uh, covered by a basket kind of thing. So what, what do we think about there? I think in general terms, I would agree men, men are called to lead not only in the home and the church, but also also in the world today, yeah. you know, in terms of government institutions, those kind of things. I think I think men ought to act. They're, they're fit by God to lead and they ought to. And a lot of our cultural ills and woes have, because yep. men have abdicated that. It's not all the fault of women, but, but men have abdicated th- yep. those positions. So if, if, if I look at one issue, for instance, like take education, M- most schools today are, all the teachers are women. Yep. Um, I, I know in, in our area, almost all the Christian schools are led by women. Oh, interesting. Um, and then you also have, you know, e- even in homeschooling, which is a response to poor education in the government system, that's all the moms taking responsibility, mostly, for the education of their children. Hmm. And so now, now we have the education system, by and large, being run by, by women. So, so where are the men in that area, you know, to exercise leadership and responsibility? Uh, because Because... When you look, you know, fathers are entrusted to to raise and disciple their own kids, give them a Christian education. Um, but you extend that out, you know, where, where are where are the fathers in terms of our educational system? Um, and, and increasingly, it's just men. I, I find um, we can, we can be sinful and, and want to take the easy easy way out. We'd rather sit on the couch, you know, vegetate, watch some TV, watch some sports, and that's it. Um, we, we don't remember the call that God gave to Adam in the garden to exercise dominion, subdue the earth, you know, to bring things into harmony with God's will. And so there needs to be a drive in men um, that, that goes even beyond their home and beyond the church. You know, must be faithful there. But then say, how, what does it mean for me to be faithful in this world and, and to lead and to take, bear on this responsibility for the glory and honor of God? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. And so let, let me ask, we talk about the education system, and then we'll get into some some other things as well. Um, I, I think a lot of guys would think about children being educated, and they'll say, well, that, that is a woman's job, right? I mean, role in the house, a primary educator, especially when kids are young, are, are, is the mother, because I'm off working. That, that's the mentality, right? That's the thought that's been the, the idea for a long time. Unless you go read Puritan books and you find out that all the schoolmasters were, or, you know, oftentimes were the men doing that. But um, so it is, are you saying that more men should be thinking about and being willing to, to 
to be in those roles or how, how does it look like, what does it look like for, for men to kind of take responsibility in, in kind of the education realm? Well, I think r- right now, you know, our, our education system is, is what it is because of a lot of different influences. Yeah. Um, it, it, in my world, ideally, you know, y- younger children certainly need a lot of mom time right. for that nurturing and caring. Uh, and there's no reason why mom cannot teach her children how to read and the basics of, yeah. of mathematics, you know, so I, I'm, I'm a, we home educate our own children. And so, so my wife and other women are, are perfectly capable of that. But as, as children get older, especially as boys get older and they enter the teen years, uh, there's, there's a more of a necessity for them to have male influence. Yeah. Um, suddenly then, then mom might not be fully equipped to kind of tackle those, those high school subjects yeah. um, that, that, are, that are young men need. And so, but, but there's often a lack of men in those roles of teaching um, and leadership in the education system. So that, that's one area of need that I have. And even, even in charge of some of these institutions, um, you know, there's you know, a lot of division and conflict, but I think it's because of the women in charge of those things yeah. rather than, than men having a, a vision of leadership and then of unity together in yeah. terms of education. So that's just one, one example. Yeah. Um, and, and there's certainly roles in society, you know, construction and these kind of things that are still dominated by men. Yeah. Um, but but increasingly, I know where we are, you know, there's there's that they're trying to get parity in terms of men and women police officers, and and we've had folks in our congregation who've called the police because there's their, their farm is being um, there's there's robbery going on, you know, the criminals are still there. But but these two women police officers come and say we can't go in. We got to wait for backup. Yeah. And so that's just an example. Well, we'll where where are the men who are taking that responsibility? Um, now, so, some of this is hypothetical because we sure. we live in a, a sinful sinful world. Right. Um, but I think we should be giving our young men uh, a, a vision of some of the roles and responsibilities they should be pursuing yeah. uh, to use their manhood and the responsibility that God has given them to provide and protect, and this, this elevate what they're already doing at home and in the church, but now to bring yeah. that light to the world. Yeah, and I think if, we, if, I, if I synthesize that correctly, you're, you're really making a point for just being very intentional, right? And as in terms of when to step in at education, rather than just, you know, the women are doing it, so I don't have to worry about it. I can catch the football game or whatever. Uh, there, there's a, there's a, a, a time where dad is needed. There's a time in the community where men are leading. I mean, I needed to, to be leading. And I think you're right. Um, I, I, I think a lot of men, you know, need to just stop giving women their jobs. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a, it's a rather abusive thing in my own opinion. Um, when men abdicate those roles and in some sense force women to do it, um, then there's pressure at the, you know, feminization of Western society and things like that. But it oftentimes it's just because we're lazy. I think if if we're honest, um, if a lot of men were honest, it's easier to eat chips and watch the, the football game than to have to go to a city hall meeting or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, but but I do think you're right in that um, because men haven't done that, it's sort of led to you know what, what we see today. Um, so outside of education, and I, and I think we would see, I mean, we see this in the seminaries. Oh, we've just seen this in um, 
with uh, Yale and Harvard and these women who are, uh, you know, the presidents of these schools. And I mean, it's inevitable that, um, you know, emotions basically run the school. Um, and yes, I'm saying women are more emotional than men, generally speaking. Uh, and, and it's it's a it's a wonderful God given gift for a purpose. Um, but when you put it in places that it doesn't belong, it creates disaster. Um, and so I think that's okay for us to say. Um, and and so yeah, historically, I mean, you think about all the, just those educational institutions. I mean, they were all started by and ran by not just men, but God fearing men who took their faith seriously, took um, their 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 roles in society seriously. Um, and, and so let's talk about maybe in, in, in the few minutes we have left a, a little bit, just kind of even more generically outside of the education realm. Um, it, not necessarily uh, what jobs or careers men should have to be aiming for, but maybe just the principles behind, and I think I, I think Tom Askell is the one who told me this years ago, uh, we were with him, and he said, just be a Christian everywhere you are, right? And he didn't mean that to be a very casual statement. It was, it was a very thoughtful, purposeful statement. If any guys out there know Tom Askell, you'll, you know he's not given to just flippant statements. Um, but, but let's just flesh that out a little bit. Um, it, you know, and so in other words, you're intentional at home, you're intentional in church. And so if you're a lawyer, you're intentional about um, the things you do being godly. Um, if you're a lawmaker, I know there's a lot of discussion about that, but all that specifics aside, if you're a lawmaker, you should be intentional about um, the uh, what you're doing uh, to be God honoring. You know, if you're, you know, whatever it is you are, if you're a firefighter, if you're a policeman, um, COVID, we, we, you know, that was a perfect opportunity for um, law enforcement to operate in Christian law enforcement to operate in a way that was God fearing. Some did. I think the majority didn't. Um, so just maybe flesh some of that out wherever you want to take that. Well, I'm a big fan of, you know, what the reformers talked about in terms of vocation that, you know, it's, it's not as if when you're out in the world, the only thing that's holy is, is do you go to prayer meeting, Bible study, you know, those are the holy things. And then you just work is just a necessity, you know, but it's, but it's a, it's more carnal. It's, it's worldly. You know, I completely reject those kind of categories. Yeah. Uh, it's not as if my job as a pastor is somehow more spiritual than, than a lawyer who goes to the office. Um, both of us have to exercise our roles and responsibilities before God and, and as a Christian. Uh, and both of these are callings and both of them are holy. And men need to understand that so that whenever they're at work, they know that this is work to the Lord. And then, of course, when you read, you know, Colossians 3 and Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, um, you, you have to work heartily. You know, you, you're, you're not stealing time from your employer. And, um, and there's such a diligence and an excellence in your work. You know, I think we live in a world today where, where Christians should so shine, shine as lights that we have a completely unbelieving company that says, I just want to hire Christian men because I know they're going to work hard, they're honest, they're men of character, loyal, and that should be our reputation because we're looking to Scripture. Um, so hard, hard work is something that I, I think is 
is also one of the things that have passed away yeah. with with an idea of, of true manhood mm. is that uh, young men just don't know how to work. Yeah. They don't know how to work hard and work with endurance for long periods of time. They want to be TikTok influencers. Well, we have an attention span just like a, like a, like a tweet. You know, it's just yeah. we're so easily distracted that we just can't get down and work and work hard. And there's something godly about working hard yeah. and coming home exhausted because you've given your day to your labor. And so we need to understand that that's a, that's a, godly, a godly thing to do. So whatever you're doing, work heartily yeah. as, you're, as you're working to the Lord. Be faithful at it. And that becomes a witness. And then when people ask you, it's like, well, that's because I'm a Christian. This is yeah. what the Bible calls me to do. It's an opportunity uh, to witness. So, you know, wherever God has, has called us, you know, recognize that that is a job, an occupation that is going to provide for my family. It's going to provide for the church. And it's also an opportunity for me to show my allegiance and loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I'm, I'm going and doing a good job for him. Yeah. And... and you know, I love that verse. I, I tweet it almost every day. Do whatever you do as unto the Lord. And and I think if we really took that seriously, there wouldn't be a sphere that existed where men weren't rising up and being intentional and leading in, in some way, serving in some way. Uh, and it's just very interesting. Every, everything from um, leading your own home and your, your own children and wife through their emotions when it's difficult, um, not heavy handedly, but sometimes just having to say, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. This is the direction we need to go um, and, and guiding and, and shepherding your family in that way, which can be very difficult because it's easier to say, that's, that's going to be a hard conversation. I, I don't want to deal with that. I'm tired. I've been working all day. Um, to serving in the church where you're not necessarily the leader out front giving orders, um, but you're just finding the needs in the church and you're meeting them um, to being a, just being a Christian uh, in the community. And, and, and what I mean by that is letting it, letting your work be so different, uh, just like you were describing. It's true in the world in which we live. If, if a man were to, walk as a godly man, I think he would be noticeable, right, in his work environment. In, and he may not change a company, but people would be forced to acknowledge there is something different. You know, why is there this guy who works as hard as anyone else, if not harder? He's on time. He doesn't steal, you know, in terms of whatever the case is. He's honest. He has integrity, et cetera, et cetera. He's looking after the company when everyone else is sort of just trying to get theirs. Um, and, and that impacts society. Um, but I, I think ju just take us back to then uh, as we close now, sort of the fundamental need for all this to be rooted in a pursuit of holiness and godliness. Because if that's not the foundation, you won't be able to do any of these things really. And what does that part look like? Um, because I'm not thoroughly convinced, at least in America, that um, we even take things like prayer seriously. Evangelism, I mean, if you just look at the statistics, um, no matter what anyone says, we don't, we don't, you would never know the church believes the gospel if you just looked at our statistics. 
right? And so the need to pursue holiness and godliness, knowing that in all these spheres, you're going to stand before God and you're going to give an account. Um, just kind of end us on, on, on that. I think there's two things the guys need to do is, is one, be able to go to the word and to articulate, list out what it means for me to be faithful in these different spheres, right? So, so do I know the verses that speak into my role in the home? Do I know the verses that speak into my role at church or in the world? Like, do I, otherwise we're just, we're rudderless ships, but where, where are we going? Like, we, we don't even know what the Lord requires of us. So, so we need to know what God says in his word. And then we understand, like you're saying, the fuel, the motivation for that is ultimately, you know, your, your knowledge of God and the grace that you, that you know, that you've received from him through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, whenever you compile that list of what it means to be faithful at home, church, and the world, you recognize, wow, <laughs> that's so much, you know, there's so much that I'm responsible for, not, not just to like push on to fruitfulness, but even to be faithful, yeah. like God requires so much of me. And so you recognize your need for the Lord Jesus Christ, your need for prayer, um, your need for you yourself to be in the word. If I'm entrusted to care for my wife and maybe my wife knows more Bible than I do, well, I need to now listen. I need to read something. I, I need to get myself equipped. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to go to the source. Um, I need to, you know, get into the word myself, get, get on my knees in prayer and ask God, God, you must do this work in and through me. And what was really beneficial for me, just that paradigm of priest in your home, is to know that while while I'm entrusted to be a priest in my own home, I have a great high priest mm-hmm. uh, that I can rely upon. And, and and in my weakness, you know, his, his strength will will provide. And so I'm I'm not the perfect husband, I'm not the perfect father, I'm not the perfect churchman, but but ultimately this is all entrusted to Christ. And and that actually frees me to to make mistakes and keep moving forward rather than despair and give up and not even try. Yeah. So recognizing the, the high priesthood of Christ has been hugely beneficial. Amen. Well, thank you, Tim, for joining us. I appreciate your time and uh, your wisdom. And uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll have you back with us some other time. Um, thank you. Well, guys, I hope this has been helpful to you. Um, I will. Uh, Tim has some really uh, just phenomenal sermons uh, we'll send, put some links in the show notes just to help you uh, get to know him a little bit. And uh, until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.